Merry Christmas. My name's Liana, and I'm doing the Bible reading tonight. And it comes from Micah 5 verse 2, and then we're going to head over to Luke 2, 1 to 7. So I'll just let you open your Bibles if you have them with you. Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among your clans of Judah, among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Then Luke 2, 1 to 7. It's titled The Birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Thank you very much, team. Good evening, everybody. And a special big welcome to all of you who are visiting here tonight. I think there's probably a few of you. I've met some of you already, but uh, lovely to have you with us. You're so welcome to be here and to share this, uh, I think, a very precious time of the year. So uh, happy Christmas Eve to you all and happy Christmas and Merry Christmas to you all too for tomorrow. Great to have you with us. And it's just a beautiful time to be able to just think about the things of God again at this particular season and the things that Christmas really means to us. Um, and just before we start, I'd just like to uh, ask if we could pray and hope this doesn't play up on me. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, precious occasion that brings us together again. We thank you for this Christmas season, a time when once again we pray that you help us in a fresh perhaps a new revelation of yourself. May it not be that we think of the same thing over and over again, but may there be something fresh and new that you speak to us about. You're an infinite God. Uh, Lord, we could never fully understand you uh, or this Christmas story fully. So Lord, maybe tonight there'll be something fresh that you'll just touch our hearts with as we meet you in the word and as we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit amongst us right here now and that he would move amongst us and touch us and do those things in each of our hearts that only he can do. So we open ourselves to you, Lord. Have your way, have your say in each of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, on our first day of holidays that we've just had a long, 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 long time ago, 
back in November, and it seems a long time ago. We were towing a caravan and uh, heading down south to see my brother and to celebrate his 60th birthday. Well, that afternoon, uh, we decided we would... We actually looked at the sky, and we didn't like the look of the sky, heading towards Grafton, and as we headed towards Grafton, it became blacker and blacker, and it had that familiar green belt across the sky, you know, that horrible, familiar sight. And we decided, no, we're not going to go any further tonight. Uh, so we headed, after I got some fuel, we headed off to the caravan park uh, at Grafton. And uh, as we arrived there, it started to really team down with rain. It just bucketed down. There was thunder, there was lightning, it was all happening. And we pulled into the driveway of the car into the office and met the man behind the counter. And uh, he said to me, uh, have you got a booking? And I said, no, I didn't think we needed, we needed to. I'm sorry about this. This is just... I said, no, I don't think we... I'll just try it without it, Joe. Just put it up here. No, it's not going to work for me, is it? You still following my story? Yeah. I'm going to test in a minute when I get myself sorted out here. that's on. So where was I? We're at Grafton. The storm's coming. The rain is teeming down. It's bucketing down. There's thunder. There's lightning. There's, it, this really happened. And uh, anyway, we, we said, as a, obviously the guy knew what I was there for. And, and, and I, well, we said, you know, have you got a site? And he said, well, have you made a booking? And I thought, no, I didn't think we needed to have a booking. Grafton? A night. And he said, and he said, he said, sorry, we, we don't have any room for you. And it's raining. It is really storming. This, this green belt of, of, you know, hail is coming. And uh, Rose is in the car. I couldn't see it because it was all fogged up, you know. And, uh, and although Rosemary wasn't expecting <laughs> to give birth, perhaps, listen, I've got to finish the whole story here. We were in a dilemma. It wasn't a very nice feeling. Where on earth were we going to go? We needed to get shelter for the night. And I think we had a little glimpse. Can I say that? Maybe I've stretched it a bit. But I think we had a bit of a glimpse as to how Joseph and Mary felt in their predicament when they were met with a similar response in their predicament. Serious. They needed to find a place. And they got met with that response. Sorry, there's no room. And anyway, he looked at us and he saw the car and he saw the storm and he saw that I was about to kind of walk out and he said, just, just wait a minute. He kind of ducked out behind the counter. He went out and had a look outside in the park area and he looked, he came back, he said, I reckon we can squeeze you in between a couple of caravans. And he did, to our great relief, <laughs> he found a spot for us and it bucketed down and the hail came and praise God, it was only small hail, it didn't do too much damage. But uh, we were safe and sound and we had a, uh, well, that was our first night. Uh, we got hit with a storm the second night too. If you remember what November was like, it was like that. <clears throat> no room. I, look, I have to admit, it still, it still amazes me every time I read the Christmas narrative, every time I read this story, 
it still amazes me that for, for Joseph and for his pregnant wife, Mary, who carried in her womb the saviour of the world, and then who gave birth to him, how the Bible says there was no room for them in the inn. And, and it just seems to me that they were dealt a raw deal. And it's also interesting, if you noted this, it's also interesting to note that, that the Bible gives no word of rebuke or condemnation to the innkeeper because he didn't find any room for them. It's, it's, it's silent about any of that stuff. Look, it's interesting, the little video up here shows people going, no, 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 no room. And yet the Bible says nothing about that. Just look at verse 7 again of Luke chapter 2. It just simply says this. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room or no room available for, the, for them. End of story. Nothing else said. You know, and again, Luke could have. He could have pressed this no room for them situation. He could have pressed that quite hard in his gospel account, but instead he, he doesn't do that. Instead, he just simply stated that when the time came for Mary to give birth, the only available place was one usually occupied by animals, which could have been a cave and used as a stable, which, which tradition suggests, you know, or some part of a house, or it could have been even a guest room. But you know, the important thing the important thing is this, when all was said and done, there was room made available and Jesus was born. And he was born as God intended in Bethlehem. Uh, which, by the way, the, the word Bethlehem or the name Bethlehem means house of bread. How appropriate. What an ideal place for the one who is called the bread of life. Jesus said that, I am the bread of life. John 6:35 He's the one who alone can truly satisfy the hunger and the thirst in every human heart. He really is the bread of life, born in the one born in the house of bread. And dear friend tonight, can I ask you do you know this one I'm talking about? Do you know the one I'm talking about this Christmas Eve? The one who alone can truly satisfy every hunger, every thirst in every human heart. He's the only one that can. Nothing else works. Have you discovered that yet? I love what Leon Morris says. He, he just says this. Um, <clears throat> he says, we should perhaps reflect that it was a combination of a decree by the emperor in distant Rome and the gossiping tongues of Nazareth that brought Mary to Bethlehem at just the time to fulfill the prophecy about the birthplace of the Christ. And that was read to us from uh, Micah chapter, two, uh, chapter 5, verse 2, to fulfill that prophecy. Leon Morris just goes on and says, he says, God works through all kinds of people to affect his purposes. Isn't that so true? He works through all kinds of people to affect his purposes. And I'm sure there are many of us here tonight who are so grateful that we have a God who did persevere with us. Who persevered with us as, as fallen, imperfect human beings to affect his purposes. 
particularly his purpose that the angel made known to Joseph in a dream when he said to him those magnificent words that we have in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, 21. When the angel said this to Joseph in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And you know, though the world had no love or no place and made no room for Jesus, Jesus nonetheless came. He came. Thanks be to God that he did. And you know, interestingly, the Bethlehem birth was to be symbolic of the whole of Christ's incarnation. It was to be symbolic of the whole of his life's ministry in this world. And we might ask this sort of rhetorical question, did God not know that his only son would be treated this way? You know, that he would find no room. No room would be found for him. No room even in the overcrowded and yet empty hearts of humanity. No room for him. Yeah, of course God knew. In fact, several hundred years before Christ was even born, the prophet Isaiah gives us a hint as to how this no room would play out in his life. Listen to these powerful words. Isaiah 53 verse 3, speaking about Jesus, prophesied several hundred years before. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. Yeah. And we esteemed him not. And when we turn to the New Testament, it's easy to see the fulfillment of this prophecy from the very start of Christ's ministry, as recorded by these words in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 10, 11, for example, again, these, these amazing words. God's Word says, He was in the world. And though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognise Him. Verse 11, He came to that which was His own. But his own did not receive him. Did not receive him. No room. No room for you. And then, you know, Jesus made the statement himself that, that his home, in fact, was not in or of this world. And by the way, neither is it for those who follow him. We don't belong here either. Apostle Paul reminds us of that in Philippians 3 verse 20 when he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. Is that where your citizenship is tonight? You're waiting for that day when Jesus will come back again. But you know, Jesus made these statements himself. He knew. No room. Matthew 8.20, Jesus says this. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. No room. So again, right at the beginning, there was no room for Jesus. To where at the end, 
Well, the crowds cried out for his blood by screaming out their demands to crucify him. We've got no room for you here. The only place, says one writer, where room was made for Jesus was on the cross. On the cross. There was room made for him there. Hey, and you know what? Aren't we glad that there was? Where would we be tonight if there was no room for him on the cross? So that's what it was like back then. Are, we, is there, are things different today though? Are we any different? Do we have any room for him? You know, I, I don't think we have. I, sadly, there, there's not. And I believe there are so many modern day examples of this same attitude towards Christ. Hey, no room for you. There's no room for him. I mean, let's face it. Um, I don't know, just take for example, for, for, for many people, Christmas is just one big shopping festival. For others, it's a shopping nightmare. Isn't it? And as it seems to me, there's no room for Jesus in the shopping centres either, really. Unless there's some carols that have been played. I haven't heard any of those, so maybe you have. But basically, there's no room for Jesus in the shopping centres. But, oh, but, but, but you will find room for Santa. You know, and sadly, it's true as well that in many families... Many, many marriages, there's no room for Jesus. There's no Christ in their Christmas. It's interesting, just on TV, I think tonight or the other night when I was watching it, social workers and other experts are really saying that Christmas is one of the most, uh, what, do they, what do they call it, most horrific times for, for, for um, domestic violence? One of the most stressful times of the year? I, I can't work that out. Maybe, perhaps I can. But there's something wrong somewhere. I mean, we're talking about the Prince of Peace. And yet it's one of the most stressful times. So what's going on with us people? And it is the most vicious time for domestic violence. What's going on? Well, basically, if you want to put it down to tin tacks here, it's, there's no room for Jesus. No room for him in families, no room for him in marriages. And perhaps you've noticed more and more that there's no room for Jesus in our government leaders or lawmakers either. Bit frightening, isn't it? No room for Jesus. How we need to pray, folks. If you're a Christian here tonight, you're a prayer. You need to pray. We need to pray for our governments, our lawmakers, our nation. We need to pray for our nation. I'd like to read a poem that uh, just perhaps a few verses written by a lady called Jill Briscoe. Stuart and Jill were, I'm not sure where they are these days, um, pastors in America. He was also a keynote speaker at one of the Baptist conventions many years ago great speaker so is his wife Jill she wrote a poem goes like this I'll just read part of it room in my inn for my business affairs room in my inn for my worries and cares room in my inn for the drink and the smoke room for the act for the off-coloured joke room for my family room for my wife 
room for my plans, Lord, but no room for your life. And room for depression when the party's all through. Room for myself, Lord, but no room for you. So let me ask you this. How is it for you this Christmas? How is it for you? What about you? I sort of paint a bit of a dark picture here, but it does get better. But I want to ask you, is that where you are tonight? Where are you this Christmas? Will you make room for Christ in your Christmas? And not just Christmas, the whole of the new year that lies ahead of us. Will you make room for him? You know, we've seen that the Bible speaks about those who had no room for Christ and those who rejected him. But the wonderful news is that God's word also speaks about those who did make room for Jesus and those who did receive him. And I also love the fact that even at his birth, Jesus made room for anyone who would come to him. Even when the shepherds came to that cattle stall, Jesus made room for them. And amazingly, hear this, he still makes room for you and me today. Isn't that good? Jesus makes rooms for you and me today. And you know, when that happens, when that happens, we become part of his family. How awesome is that? We actually become part, adopted into his family. We become sons and daughters of the living God. Look at these verses again. Let me read more of these verses from John chapter 1 and verses 10 to 12. Follow me. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, look at verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that amazing? The beautiful thing is that that helpless tiny baby born 2,000 years ago and placed in a feed trough was the one who would grow up to be the man Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, who did, in fact, make room on the cross in order to give his life as a sin offering, as a sin sacrifice for the likes of you and me. I can't help but read these verses. Listen to these again. Need to hear this tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, we need to hear that too, folks, tonight. Listen to verse 18, so important. Whoever believes in him, believes in Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Hey, we need to ponder those verses tonight. You need to know where you are with God tonight. With this one who became, who was born to be the saviour of the world. Who made a way 
took the room on the cross for us and died the death that none of us could ever die when Jesus took the sins of the world upon himself. It's through him that we're saved. It's through him that we have a relationship with God. If you say no to him tonight, then you wear your own sin. You know that, don't you? And that's why the condemnation is remaining on us outside of Christ. But when you receive Christ, that condemnation is removed. You become free, set free. You become a child of God. That's why he came. So out of his love for you and me, Jesus willingly died a shameful, degrading death, a painful death beyond our comprehension on the cross. So that you and I, you and me, for example, when Jesus did that, because of that, because of the cross, our sin of debt, sorry, our debt of sin could be forgiven, wiped away, gone. Our darkness is turned to light. Our lifelessness transformed into life eternal with him. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. So much could be said. Our guilt, our condemnation, which we were rightly upon us, that we wore, our guilt and condemnation was removed and it was removed forever. Forever. And we have those beautiful verses of assurance, as far as east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Powerful. And dear friends, tonight, when you give room for Jesus in your life as Saviour and Lord, he'll give room for you. He will make room for you in his eternity. That's his promise. And that's why he came. That very first Christmas. And again, as I conclude, I just feel compelled to put this to you tonight. Please, please make room for Jesus in your heart because he wants to make room for you in his heaven. Do you hear that tonight? Please make room for Jesus in your heart because he wants to make room for you in his heaven. John 14, 1 to 3. Let me read those very quickly to you. John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus says this, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You make room for him in your heart, he makes room for you in his heaven. That's his promise. It's going to happen. It's real. It's powerful and it's life-changing. I want to finish with, uh, with a, a song. Uh, I'm not going to sing this, by the way, but I want, to sing, I, want to, I want to read the lyrics. I don't even know who wrote this song, but I remember hearing it years ago by the Gaither singers, if you know the Bill and Gloria Gaither singers. I remember hearing this, this song, and it goes like this. It just fits so beautifully. Thank you, Lord, for giving it to us tonight. Um, and it goes like this. Lord, you left your throne and your kingly crown when you came to the earth that day, came to this earth that day. But in Bethlehem's home, there was found no room for your holy nativity. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for you. Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming your royal decree. But of lowly birth came you, Lord, on earth, 
and in great humility. The foxes found rest and the birds had their nest in the shade of the forest tree. But your couch was the sod, O Son of God, in the deserts of Galilee. You came, O Lord, as the living word that should, that should set your people free. But with mocking scorn and with a crown of thorn, they bore you to Calvary. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, your cross is my only plea. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, come, your cross is my only plea. When heaven's arches shall ring and her choirs shall sing, at your coming to victory, let your voice call me up, saying, yet there is room. There is room at my side for you. And my heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when you come and call for me. And my heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when you come and call for me. Amen. Hey, have you got room for Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Just thank you for those thoughts that you give us. And we thank you that you came and you persevered, even though you came to your own and they received you not. Will didn't love you. Will didn't even know you, but you came. And you received those who received you. Thank you, Lord, that there was room made. And indeed, there was room made on the cross. That's the place that you came to fulfill. That was what you came to do. And you did it for us so that, Lord, that we could have room for you in our hearts and, and have that glorious hope of being, having a room with you in heaven on that day that you call us to be with you. So, Father, as we enjoy this Christmas time together, may these thoughts, not just the babe in the manger, but help us to remember the Christ of the cross, which was the fulfilment of the prophecy, the very reason he came was to give us the glorious hope of forgiveness and eternal life. And we could never thank you, Lord. What a gift. What a gift. Paul spoke about you as being the indescribable gift. Help us to make room for you. Father, I pray tonight, make room, Lord, in families. Make room, Father, in marriages. Make room, Lord, in our homes, in our hearts. Do your work. You're the only one that can transform and change us. Make room in our government, Lord. Do your work, we pray. Have your place, Lord. May we bow in submission and have you enthroned. Not just to have room, Lord, but you need to be the host of our lives. In every department, in every compartment, you need to have an open door. Help us to hear your voice this Christmas personally. Help us to open the door and invite you in. And you've promised that you would eat with us and be with you. And Lord, you'd never leave us and you'd never forsake us. Thank you. Meet us, Lord. We need you desperately over this Christmas. Bless these dear folk here tonight. Every one of them, touch them and their families as we commit ourselves to your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, Merry, happy Christmas. God bless you guys. And may Jesus indeed have room in your place and in your heart.